0: So, we are actually in Matthew's Gospel, believe it or not. <clears throat> Haven't done a verse-by-verse verse in a long time, so since Matthew is the first book in the Bible, New Testament, a portion of the Bible, let's go. Brand new year. And as we're working through the genealogy, we're discovering that, I mean, I'm discovering that it's really important information that we're gleaning out of here, that what's going to help us when we get to the New Testament to understand some of the things that are going on there. Sometimes if you jump in, you know, at the end of the book, then you miss all the things leading up to that. We're not going to get anywhere near to all the things leading up to it because there's too much in the Bible to ever know in a thousand lifetimes. And so we approach it humbly, not as experts, but as we read the experts, we can sort of weed through there and come up with some, some gems and jewels that, can be applied to our lives, because that's the important thing. It's not just an intellectual exercise. We're looking for a spiritual exercise, are we not? So uh, it's great that this is online at breakwaterembassy.org, and you can go and check these out on YouTube and review all the sermons that have been going on. So I got to watch last week when Ross Ross Russell was here. That was great. Fortunately, I was up in Bass Lake with my brothers, trout fishing. So beautiful. It was like perfect weather. You couldn't have dialed it up any better. In fact, it's kind of funny because I did the 10-day weather, you know, before going up there just to see what it was going to be like because in this time of year, you can have rain, hail, snow. We fished in everything misery up there, (laughs) you know, about 4,000 feet on the way up to uh, Yosemite. But... So we're going to get on a Wednesday, and, and Friday, it's, it's raining all day. And I go, wow, it's kind of a bummer, because if you drive up on Wednesday, then we're have one good day to fish, and Friday's going bad. And I said, Lord, you know, we don't have a lot of time to do this. Could you just, like, not have it rain, right? So I got up the next day and did the weather, and I go, hey, it's, it's not going to rain during the day. It's only going to rain at night. And I said, well, that's good. At least you can fish during the day. And it's not going to rain at night. And I said, but Lord, why don't you just get rid of all that rain altogether? So I got the next day, and it was like Friday, big sun, you know, on the 10 day. <clears throat> so I looked at the weather, and I go, it's 51 degrees. That's kind of cold, Lord. Can, can you boost that up five degrees? <laughs> so I'm serious. I got up the next day, it's something like 56 degrees. So I was cracking up, and I go, Lord, I hope this isn't too much, but we do want to catch fish. <laughs> this is really a fishing trip. Hope I'm not extending you too much. <laughs> Uh, but we did <clears throat> manage to catch 102 trout, so we're pretty happy about it. Now you catch and release, generally send them back. You can only keep a certain amount legally, which we don't even keep the legal amount because, you know, it's, uh, You know, and we gave away a lot of fish. Unfortunately, I gave too much away already, but uh, it was just an awesome trip. Good, good to be with the family, get out in nature, and just appreciate God, and Realize we're in outer space it's this little ball floating around, and which is so amazing. God has just gifted us with such a beautiful place to live and wonderful planet. So as we're continuing through here, looking at some history, I, I was just reminded that you know that you know God is an amazing God, and He's concerned about things, and and we can pray and believe Him to do stuff. You know what I'm saying? So we want to continue for you know to be in prayer for our whole list of of needs and just, we're not giving up, are we? No, we just, we, we see him do things. But there's two major things that happen <clears throat> in the Old Testament that's extremely important for the New Testament, and that is under Rehoboam, the son of, of Solomon, there was a civil war in the United Kingdom of Israel, and there was a split. The 10 northern tribes uh, ceded from the Union, two tribes in the south, so... This chain from David follows the southern kingdom down to their exile in Babylon 586 BC. So we actually made it down that far last session that we were here. And then I thought, you know, I wanna go back and look at these good kings. There's there's five good kings out of like 19 or so. The rest of them are just, just horrible, which is pretty typical of world government, right? Corruption at every level, doesn't matter. Uh, But the good thing about it is God continually managed to break through with people that will follow him, and so that's the good news. So I thought I could get to all five of them today, but I would just get so tired of talking so much, it'd be hard. So we're only going to get down to Jehoshaphat, which is a, a wonderful guy. So, in 722 BC, I told you that the southern kingdom, I mean, the northern kingdom of Samaria, was conquered by the Assyrians. And they were exiled and assimilated into the Mesopotamian world to the east, which spread that Jewish culture eastward into an Aramaic speaking uh, people group, all right? Which becomes important for us when we get the New Testament, and I'll explain some more on that next week and why that is significant for our understanding of uh, the New Testament. So let's start with uh, Asa, how you pronounce it? Jehoshaphat, Jotham, Hezekiah, and Josiah. Like I said, we're not going to get too far. There's a lot of good stories about Jehoshaphat. He's got some amazing, amazing things and lessons for us to learn today. God's the same, right? Yesterday, today, forever, and what God did yesterday, he'll do today, and he'll do tomorrow. So, the thing you want to learn about us is this beautiful scripture here, which says, he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Isn't that amazing? That's so refreshing If, when you're reading through the Old Testament to read that. <clears throat> he removed foreign altars, <clears throat> high places. High places where they built temples and sanctuaries and They worshipped idols and and demons. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in how many towns in Judah? Every town in Judah. Now, I'm hoping that's hyperbole, but can you imagine the people of God In every city, in every town, every high place, worshiping idols, polytheistic images, and demons. All right? It's not a pretty picture. Uh, And as a result, the kingdom was at peace under him, and he built up the fortified cities of Judah. Now, why do you have to build up the fortified cities of Judah? Not fortified, fortified. Uh, he has to fortify them because war happens all the time. There's always you know, wandering people that groups that come down and just want to kill you and subjugate you. But his land was at peace. What a great word, wasn't it? Can you imagine? What a great time for this guy to live his whole life in peace, serving the Lord, doing what was right, trying to establish the kingdom of God, draining the swamp as much as possible. No one was at war with him during those years, and the Lord gave him rest. That is awesome. Now, the Asherah pole—I'm <clears throat> not going to leave that on too long—just give you an idea. But uh, it was a sacred tree or pole or images they, that stood near Canaanite re- uh, religious locations in honor of the mother goddess Asherah. She was the spouse of Baal. We're familiar with him you know, if you read the Old Testament. And by him, she was the mother of 70 gods. So they had their own little kingdom. She was a mother of god. Baal was a father of god, and they had a bunch of children. And that sounds a lot like Mormonism. But she's a mother goddess, widely worshipped through that whole region of Syria and Palestine. She's associated with the sea and with serpents. So what we find here is that Israel-like folk religion, the religion of the people, was Canaanite and always polytheistic. So if you look at <clears throat> the number of gods, there's like 40 different gods that are considered Canaanite gods. There's probably more of them. Many of these required human sacrifice, repulsive immoral sexual practices, you know, just it's it's hideous. These are all demons that they worshiped and empowered them that broke into human culture and required you to organize your culture around the wishes of these gods. They're not legends. They're not myths. They are actual demonic uh, spirits that control the Canaanite region. Okay? Enough of that. Wow. That was painful. Now, Jehoshaphat. He's the fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah 35 years old and became king reigned 25 years he's one of the best leaders which isn't hard to be you know what I'm saying however pious prosperous king of Judah and uh, the kingdom had peace and uh, under his under his reign so uh, let's see did I miss something here Yeah, I did. Oh, there it is. So he was, uh, early in his years, he walked in the ways of his Lord, which is really really good. The Lord was with him. He didn't consult the Baals. In other words, he didn't consult the prophets of Baal. Uh, He didn't seek advice or follow any of their doctrines. He sought the God of his father and followed his practices and his commands rather than the practices of Israel. Now, what were the practices of Israel? Absolute polytheism, absolute rejection of God, absolute assimilation of uh, surrounding cultures and practices, all right? The 20 kings of the northern 10 tribes, all of them were polytheistic and idolatrous, and eventually God sent Sennacherib, 722 BC, defeated that entire portion of Israel and evicted them from the land, like he said, in the covenant of Moses. All right? The covenant of Moses included an eviction notice, which we talked about before. But it's important that you realize that God means what he says, and he says what he means. So when God says, you obey me, I bless you. You disobey me, there's all these problems. that are going to fall in your life. You're just causing problems for yourself. And if you keep it up long enough, I will evict you from the land that I promised to you. Which he did, 722 for the northern kingdom, 586 B.C. for the southern kingdom, which is called the Babylonian exile. But he gave them a little promise that in 70 years will bring you back. Because why? He still needs to bring forth the Messiah from the line of Judah, right? So he can't completely exterminate them until that part of this mystery plan of his is fulfilled. So his heart was devoted to the Lord, and he again removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. So as soon as Asa's out of the way, right, they set the Asherah poles back up. They begin worshiping all over again, these polytheistic demons, and he's got to take them down all over again. Unbelievable. Now, in the third year of his reign, now this is, this is kind of interesting to me anyway, <clears throat> he sent his officials, all these people, to teach in the towns of the southern kingdom of Judah, Judah Benjamin. Verse 9, 2 Chronicles 17, 9 says, they taught throughout Judah, taking with them the book of the law of the Lord. And they went around to all the towns of Judah and taught the people. Now, what was the book of the law of the Lord? This would be the Pentateuch, wouldn't it? The first five books of Moses, the, the Torah, the Sinai covenant, the law. The, it's got many names, but you're talking about the first five books. And Jehoshaphat tore down the high places. He sent five princes, representing the royal authority, nine Levites, two priests, throughout all the cities and towns of Judah with the book of the law to teach the law of God, to teach people the way to serve God properly, which is awesome. And you can imagine how sacred that book was to them and how it functioned among them as canon or rule or law, okay? So as far as they were concerned, this was the legal document for them that should provide authority that helps guide their actions, okay? then when we talk about canon of scripture, how it's put together at this stage, we have the Pentateuch, the first five books of Torah, which is their, canon of scripture at this point and then you're going to add uh, the psalms and you're going to add prophets by the time of Jesus, right? Jesus says at the end of Luke's gospel that he instructed them concerning everything written about him in the law, the psalms, and the prophets. So the canon of Old Testament scripture grows and we see its, its authority being respected here and they're going around teaching it which uh, needs to be done. One of the things that we do when we go to Africa is teach as much word as we possibly can in every place that we possibly go to. Because there's, this is a very oral culture right now. They don't have a lot of electronics. So how are you going to get word out to people? You can't just email somebody, right? You have to go and tell them. And so <clears throat> in still many parts of the world today, you still need to go and preach the gospel and teach. Jesus said go preach make disciples teach them right so we see this format happening right now even in the old testament where they're going through all the cities of judah and teaching them the word of god and the law of moses is different than other legal codes in the ancient near east because the transgressions were not against a civil authority but it was against the law of god are you with me so right now, California has laws against stealing, do they not? They have laws against sexual perversion. They have got laws against lying. They have laws against everything in the Ten Commandments, don't they? Just about. But it's more than just a civil code that you're breaking with civil penalties. There's laws of God. They're originally the law of God that you're breaking. and crimes against the kingdom of God. So you could serve your penalty for a local crime pay your parking ticket or whatever. But you also have a crime against God that needs to be paid, and that's the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Aren't you glad about that? It's a price we couldn't pay that he paid for us. So Jehoshaphat, the king, wished for his people to be instructed in the word of God and the sound wisdom of the law of the Lord. And that's the way to peace and tranquility in your life. All right? If you want a life that is as happiest as possible, that's as joyful as possible within the circumstances in which you find yourself, the best life you could possibly have is by following the Word of God. All in favor? Yeah. If you look at all the dysfunction that takes place in the world, you look at all the dysfunction that takes place in your life and in the lives of people that we know, it's all because of disobedience to the Word of God. Are you with me? Now, there's things that happen naturally. There's things that happen, unfortunately, because of things around us. But God helps us do all those things, does he not? He showed legitimate faith by teaching the Word of God. He also relied on the Lord in times of trouble and danger. It's one of my favorite stories here. So again... Gonna go make war. What do men do? That's what they do all the time. This is the history of mankind. Let's go out and make war. So the Moabites, the Ammonites, and these other guys came to make war <clears throat> on Jehoshaphat. Minding his own business, serving the Lord, right? <laughs> Doing everything right. Evil is <coughs> relentless, is it not? <laughs> Has it given up? No. They say you cut off the head of the snake. You know that's the end of it. Is that the end of it? No. no. Kill one tyrant, another one will rise up. Kill one despot, another another one will take his place. Right? Until Jesus comes back. So these guys are going to come out to make war. Who do you think's behind all that? Do you think God's behind all that? These are idol-worshipping polytheists. All right. Not all religions are the same. Okay, yeah, true. <laughs> they're not—they're not even close to being the same. <sighs> alarmed, anybody can relate to that word. <laughs> Ever been alarmed about anything? I'm not talking about six o'clock in the morning alarm goes off. He's terrified right now <clears throat> because you got this massive army who's going to come and, you know, kill you. And so, what did he do? He resolved to inquire of the Lord which is the right thing to do. (laughs) What do you say? And the good thing about it is he can have confidence when he goes to inquire of the Lord because he's been following the Lord with all of his heart. So he's not just some wayward, crazy sinner who's in trouble now in the foxhole prayer and going, oh, I think I need God now because things are going bad. But because his life is consistently following the Lord, he has confidence that when he goes to the Lord, he knows that God is there to help him. All right, that's important. So he proclaimed a fast, uh, and he called all the people together to seek help from the Lord. Not only to seek help, but to help seek, all right? Let's get everybody together. This is a, this is a group effort. This is the community of God's people. I'm going to call a meeting. We're going to get them together, and we're going to inquire of the Lord, and we're going to pray, and they came from every town in Judah, Now, all of a sudden, everyone's got religion, right? Everyone's got some faith now in your time of trouble. So here's the prayer. Oh, Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? I love how they do that all the time, right? Aren't you that one? The one that's really strong and powerful and mighty. Like, butter him up, right? Like, he needs to be told all this. You rule over all the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. And I looked at that, and I go, you know what? That kind of reminds me of a prayer that Jesus taught. Remember that one? One that looks like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I thought, what if there's any more similarities between that prayer and and, uh, Jehoshaphat's prayer? So he talks, hallowed means holy. It means setting apart. So where we get to the word Halloween. Halloween is actually a good word. It means All Hallows Eve. It means when we celebrate an evening uh, about the holy people and the saints that we believe uh, serve God faithfully. Halloween. Howl your name, set it apart, power, you're mighty. He does. He is ruler. You're you're expressing how holy and awesome God's name is. In prayer at any time, it's always good to begin by acknowledging God as father, creator, ruler. We're (laughs) servants, right? Here's the king saying, yeah, I'm king, but you're king over all. We're servants regardless of our position in life. Are you with me? And so he's hallowing God's name. He's uh, reminding not only himself of who God is in his life, but also acknowledging that God is the ruler and the creator of all things. So the second part of the prayer, he says, if calamity comes upon us, which it often does, whatever the cause, sword of judgment, plague, famine... Notice that's sword of judgment, okay? We looked at that last week in the preaching of Hosea in terms of the the northern kingdom. The sword was not a good image, right? It's God's sword, wielding his sword in judgment, which can happen. Plague, famine, all kinds of bad things can happen in the world. We will stand in your presence, all right? What a great place to be, in the presence of God, right? Where did Cain go? He went out of the presence of God. When we come here and meet together as a corporate body of Christ, we want to meet in the presence of God. And we want to present our needs, depending on what's taking place in our life, before the Lord. And I like there's a we will and there's a you will. Okay, it's very important. As Ross pointed out last week, there's something called synergism. We do our part, God does his part, right? Our part is to stand in the presence and to cry out to God in our distress and our despair, believing that God will hear and answer those prayers. Will he? So we have a part, God has a part. And it's very important that we do our part, which reminded me of, of the Lord's prayer when it says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now who does god's will on earth we do right so when we're praying for your will to be done on earth we're praying that we will do god's will on earth give us today our daily bread you can right here they're going we we need help from our enemies we need help from the difficulties that we're facing right now we got this war pending we got so we're going to be surrounded we're going to be crushed so substitute daily bread there for whatever it is that you need in your life at the moment all right famine you need bread of course plague judgment whatever it is come into the presence of the lord cry out to god believe that he will hear us and deliver us save us all right, Our God, won't you judge them? We have no power to face this vast army. Is that overwhelming? You ever been overwhelmed? Underwhelmed? We don't know what to do. The situation I find myself in is unbearable. I don't know how I can face it. It looks too big for me. It's too vast. But our eyes are on you. We're going to come in your presence. We're going to call out to you. We're going to look to you. And we're going to ask you to do something miraculous in our lives. That reminded me of this one in uh, the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) The prayer in despair, right? How much more should you pray in despair, right? How much more in your distress should you pray and believe God? Lead us not into temptation. Temptation to what? Temptation to doubt. Temptation to fear. Temptation to despair. (laughs) Right? Sometimes it seems overwhelming. The vastness of it all. Deliver us from the evil one. The demonic realm. Is that a good prayer? Still is a good prayer. That's what Jehoshaphat prayed with his people together, his congregation. The Spirit of the Lord. Now check this out. This is good. So Jehoshaphat gets everybody together. He says, we're going to seek the Lord. You can help. Seek the Lord together. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon a prophet in the community as he was in the assembly. So in this gathering of people as they're seeking God and as they're crying out to God, the Holy Spirit came, spoke a word, a word of of confidence and comfort. And it reminded me of this prayer meeting in the New Testament. They were in the church and these people in the church got together to worship and fast and seek the Lord. And while they were worshiping, the Lord and fast, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me these individuals for the work to which I have called them and after fasting and prayer laid their hands on them and sent them off. It reminds me of that. So hearing from the Holy Spirit comes while worshiping and in prayer in a corporate Prayer meeting. Okay, this was not a public meeting open to the outside world. This is not an evangelistic meeting. This is a meeting of believers for the purpose of seeking God. All right. So whatever is going on that meeting, whatever kind of prayer type is going on, I'm all these people spoke in tongues. I'm sure that they're not worried about that in this type of believer meeting. There's specifically there to seek God together, and the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to them and says, hey, we got work to do. We got, there's my part, your part, right? He called them, which means what? Pick up the phone. This was a let's seek God for marching order meeting, all right? That's what this meeting was. We're seeking God to find out how he wants to use us in our culture, in our time and place. And he appointed Barnabas and Saul as missionaries to go out from this local church and go into and evangelize cross-culturally. So the church at Antioch became a mission-sending center. It's not just a self-serving church where you come and you and worship, sing a few songs, take an offering, and hear a sermon. They're there to do business with God and to send people out into the world to finance that work and to make missions happen. Why? Because Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. So hearing from the Holy Spirit comes while worshiping and praying together. Worship and prayer should lead to Calling what do you say? Answer the phone. Now, we want to be a community that worships God together. Do we not? We want to worship God authentically. We want to pray together powerfully. We want to grow together. We want to go into battle together. All right? This is the way a church should function. Are they opposed to meeting together? No, they're not. They're meeting together for a purpose, and that is spiritual warfare. Worship is spiritual warfare. Uh, There's a power in community prayer. So at the end of each month, last Thursday of the month, we gather together to do community prayer precisely like this and for these reasons. And the reason we worship is because worship is warfare. Things happen while you worship that releases God's power and and mystery and opportunity to work. So this month, March, it will be on March 25th, why don't we fast on that Thursday and pray, and we'll come come here on Thursday night and pray, just like they did. We'll seek God for all the needs of the church and for the world, worship Him, and watch the mystery of God at work. What do you say? Let's do it. So we've been doing it for a while, but let's uh, let's add a little fasting element to it. Fast whatever you want. Fast your phone, fast, you know, a couple meals. Do do something that shows God that you're serious about seeking Him. Let's seek God together. All right. Okay. And then uh, this togetherness thing reminded me of this scripture in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate uh, one another to acts of love and good works, all right? Don't neglect meeting together. Now, I'm so grateful for the Supreme Court that uh, struck down the illegal restrictions against meeting in church. It's illegal. It's against the, the Bill of Rights, right? So we can meet, thank God. Oh, you can go to Costco, but you can't go to church? Wait, what? You can go to bars, but you can't go to church? Don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because there's a corporate power in prayer when we gather together. There's a corporate power in worship when we worship together. When we motivate ourselves to good works, let's do something good in our generation. Let's build churches. Let's send people to school. Let's send out missionaries. Let's do medical teams. Let's bless our community. Let's have a food ministry. Let's give stuff out. Let's encourage one another good works. Right? It's not all about theology, is it? We should be noted for our love and good works, right? Are Christians noted for love and good works? Sometimes. Not often. And then encourage one another, right? Now. Encourage each other now. Encourage somebody right now. Go ahead. Just encourage somebody. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I'll drink to that. I mean, you should leave here encouraged. We should be the most encouraging people of all. Unbelievable. We should be the most kind people, the most encouraging people, the most... Devoted to loving one another and devoted to good works, right? Just do that. Love, do good, bless, pray. Do those four things. You've done everything. And we come together for what purpose? Not just to take an offering. We come together to encourage one another for that very point of, of worshiping God and praying together, encouraging one another, and finding good things to do in our culture. And let's not neglect that, okay? Now check out what our good king did, good king, Jehoshaphat. All who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged. All right? How many times in scriptures do you hear that? This is what the Lord says to you. Somebody should look that up and find out how many times that's repeated in scripture. Mike, okay? We'll sign that to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Don't be dismayed, discouraged, or afraid because of the vastness, the overwhelming nature of the things that are taking place in the world right now. All right? What does he say? Because the increase of wickedness, the love of man will grow cold. We can't let that happen. Right? Can't happen. Not here, not tomorrow, not the next day. The battle's not yours, but God's. The battle's always God's, isn't it? We're we're never in this thing alone, which is a good thing, right? But what's our part? March down. Get your marching orders, okay? They're still going to have to go and do something that shows faith, because faith pleases God, right? So God says, I'll take care of it, but you got to go and do your part. And if you never go out in obedience to obey God, you'll never experience that victory, right? So it's not just about sitting in a pew and coming to church on Sunday, you know. That's okay. Glad you're here, right? But what we want to do is from here go out and with the marching orders that God gives us, and then we can see the victory uh, that God has provided for us. So he says, take your positions, Right? Stand firm, see the deliverance. Deliver us from evil, O Lord. So yeah, we just Ephesians 6, right? Put on the full armor, stand firm, doing all, having done all, stand against the wiles. We, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you still have to take your stand. You still have to be firm. You got to have your feet on solid ground and see the Lord deliver you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'll tell you twice. Go out to face, face your fears, face whatever it is. Go out, confront it, right? Go out, do something about it. Well, I've got this terrible thing in my life looming. Go with God, figure it out, let God work it out in your life, okay? We can't hide from the difficulties that often confront us. Sometimes we have to go fight those things in the sense of finding the right solution to resolve it. Sometimes it is not easy, let me tell you. But go and face that. Tomorrow the Lord will be with you. So they went. They got up in the morning. They set out. And Jehoshaphat's encouraging them again, have faith in the Lord, right? Have faith in his prophets. I like that. So now we've moved beyond law, and now we're moving into prophets, okay? Have faith in the words of the prophets. And What? You will be successful. Bob would like that. Right? Who doesn't want to be successful? Raise your hand. <laughs> Who wants to be successful? Raise your hand. There you go. He's gonna tell you how to do it. Have faith in God. Will there be difficulties? Absolutely. Certainly you're facing life, you're a young person facing life. You think life's going to be easy for you? No, it's not. It's not easy for anybody. But God is with us, and we can face tomorrow because the Lord is with us today. What do you say? We can face tomorrow because God is with us today. and they set out. Okay, we we got Got to go out. Got to go face the world. Face our fears. Face our problems. Face our difficulties. Face it with faith in God. Faith in the Word. And you will be successful. Now, check this out. Jehoshaphat uh, appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. It's one of my favorite Old Testament stories. How, how many know? How many like this story? That's, it's, it's a great story. So he says, We're going to send the choir out first. How do you think the choir feels about that, right? <laughs> In your choir robes or something. You guys go first, okay. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. What a great, what a great song. And I love this. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. And the armies that were invading Judah were defeated. Now, here we see for sure that worship is spiritual warfare okay things happen when you worship as they began to sing and praise the Lord said ambushes against the enemy sometimes people come and they're late for worship it's like this is almost the best part of church as far as I'm concerned I think the more work is done through worship than any other part of of the church service if it's authentic worship I've been to some churches where they have choirs up there and they say okay We're going to worship. I go, no, that's a choir singing. (laughs) There's no worship going on here. Worship is what you do from your heart before God, right? It comes from inside to the outside and honors the Lord. Worship is spiritual warfare. They're not just singing praise songs. You're doing business in the heavenlies, all right? If you come and you believe that you're doing business with God as an ambassador of Christ when you worship, something's happening. Now, they don't know that this is taking place. They don't see this ambush happening. Are you with me? They're just worshiping God. They're just being faithful and, and worshiping and, and establishing the presence of God. In the meantime, God is at work. All right? We worship. God works. All right? God works his mystery. When in doubt, worship it out. All right? So now look what happens. So now they, the men of Judah come to the place that overlooks the desert and they, they're looking toward the vast army. So they haven't even seen what's taken place. They did this worship service, and then they go out to see what they actually have to do for the rest of the day, because you know, you know, they don't know what's happen- they don't know what's happened. And they get there and this army has you know, turned in on itself, and all they saw was dead bodies lying in the ground. No one's escaped. So Jehoshaphat says, okay, let's go and plunder the place. (laughs) Found all kinds of equipment and clothes and articles of value, more than they can take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Can you imagine? Wow, that's a blessing. So what you see happening here is that God's at work when, when we're at work doing worship. The rest of the Acts of Jehoshaphat, from first to last, are written in the Chronicles of Jehu, the son of what's-his-name, recorded in the Book of the Kings. Now, this was of interest to me because uh, there is a very popular hypothesis that Mark wrote the first gospel and that Matthew didn't even write a gospel. And that it was like in year 85 that somebody used Matthew's name and, and wrote this Gospel of Matthew. And uh, because it was so hard to find pen and paper to write, and so it took 30 years for someone to get, you know, Mark to get a little piece of paper and scratch down his little, his little gospel. Poor Mark. It's like, are you kidding me? Look at it. They have the Acts of Jehoshaphat. There's a chronicler who wrote it down, and it's recorded in the Book of Kings. So they took what happened in an oral community and turned it into literature and wrote it down. Now, do we have this Book of the Kings? No, it didn't last. It was like 3,000 years ago. What do you expect? You know, where's those National Geographics you all kept in your garage forever? Hmm? Where are they? Did you finally throw them away, Bob? Popular mechanics? Didn't your grandpa have popular mechanics, Marvin? More motorcycle magazines, huh? Remember when people used to collect uh, National Geographic? Yeah. Stacks of them, I had them forever until they rot away. You can't keep those for a thousand years, you know. So the same way with the, plus with wars and burnings and libraries getting burnt, so they're surprised that anything exists from those days. So we have the Bible, which has come down to us through the generations from this time period, which is incredible that you have it, and when you realize how insatiably idolatrous Israel was, that this book comes through, it's so pristine and so beautiful and perfect in terms of its worship of God, you go, how did that happen? How did it not get absorbed into the culture and perverted, you know, in terms of its message, and it just comes for thousands and thousands of years in such, you know, an amazing book. It's so pure that it's 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 a miracle that we even have a Bible that times from here, given the fact that so much was written in those days it didn't last. So what I want you to see here is that there's so many things that were written in those in those cultures that didn't make it through the test of time. So he says it's written in the book of the Kings as a chronicler. Uh the book is used 186 times in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. So just because nothing continues to exist from so thousand years ago doesn't mean it didn't exist at one time or that they weren't capable of writing things. We already looked at how many genealogies, uh, genealogical records they have in scripture in every town and every place. They're able to write this down on something. And then they're keeping records of all the, the history of the kings in these other books. And here's, here's just a couple of examples. I'm not going to give 186 of them. I'm going to give a couple of them. All the way back to the time of Moses, Exodus 17, 14, the Lord says to Moses, write it down. (laughs) What, Moses can't write it? There's no scroll? There's no way to do that? Uh, Write it down because I want Joshua to hear it and I want it to be remembered. All right? Here's another one. Uh, That that is why the book of Wars of the Lord, the Wars of the Lord says this. I'm going, who's ever heard of that? Where's that book? Where did it go? The book of the Wars of the Lord? It's got all this stuff in it? How big was that? Who wrote that down? And uh, if a man marries a woman, you, she, he has to write her certificate of divorce, give it to her. So, who wrote that down? Where'd you get a paper for that? I mean, could, it's an official document. You know, it's an unofficial paper. Who, who, who did that? You know, this is Deuteronomy. You know, this is 1,500 years before Christ, 4,500 years ago. 35. How many is that? That's a long time ago. <laughs> The math, math is off. Long time. And, and the book here in Deuteronomy, that's uh, this book here, book of Deuteronomy. And he says, if you go off and worship other gods, the Lord's anger burned against them, brought upon it all the curses written in the book. Do we still have that book? Yeah, we still have that book. Believe it or not. Can you believe that? It's awesome, huh? Look at Joshua told these guys. <clears throat> he says, go make a survey of the land and write a description of it. So they go, okay. So they left, they went to the land. They wrote its description on a scroll, town by town, seven parts, return to Joshua, in the camp at Shiloh. So they didn't say, oh no, I can't do that. That's too hard for me. It's like so, so difficult. I can't find pen and paper. You know, even this one with Moses, right? Think think about God telling Moses to write this on a scroll. And Moses says, no, I can't. I don't I don't have a patron. I don't have someone to purchase papyrus in a pen for me. I'm really sorry. It's going to take me 30 years. And then I'll just scratch out a little fragment. I just read a tiny thing. And then I'll leave it in a jar and I'll find it, you know, a thousand years from now. No, it's just it's ridiculous, this whole concept. It's not even academic. It's to be rejected. Here's this one here. Oh, yeah, go write it down. Okay, we'll do it. <coughs> Samuel, he wrote him in a book, lay it up for the Lord. He told the people the rights and the duties of the king, wrote it all down. Hey, here, go read this. And then uh, David, uh, David lamenting over Saul, he says, that should be taught to people. Let's write it down in the book of Joshua. Have You ever heard of that guy? you know he existed? Some book of Jasher? What happened to that, where'd it go? And then this goes on and on and on. The Acts of Solomon, aren't they in the books of Solomon? Where's that? They're written in the books of the Chronicles of the Kings. We don't have that. Uh, aren't they written in, the, in the, the Chronicles of the Kings? So look at Ahab has 70 sons in Samaria, so Jehu wrote letters. He wrote 70 letters and sent them to Samaria. That's how you did it. You know, you could write. You could write. You could find paper. You could send letters 70, and you can send them off to the rulers. It's not that difficult. That's why it's just building a case with you for when we actually look at the origin of Matthew's gospel that we can see that the idea that the apostles in the early church could not find pen and paper or the willingness to write down the story of the most important person that ever lived in human history that they just saw raised from the dead and spent 40 days with them that they couldn't write one word. About Jesus not one word according to the new theory in Western theology I'm not buying it for a lot of reasons and this is one of the reasons <clears throat> this is one of the reasons if you can chronicle what you know Ahab did you can certainly can chronicle what Jesus did all right <laughs> there's 186 references like these in the Old Testament it's just typical business to keep detailed records not only in Israel, but throughout the ancient Near East and all cultures. They had books recording the acts of the kings in Assyria and detailed military records of their kings and military campaigns and strategies. The Egyptians, the Hittites, the Babylonians had records and annals. The kingdoms of in, in uh, uh, Syria and Palestine had all kinds of, of books and stuff. That does not survive but no doubt existed. The rest of the Acts of Ahaz written in this book, okay? We got more. Yeah, so Jehoshaphat got his book. It was all written in there. And then he rested with his fathers. God bless him. And we're going to rest here too. You know, what an amazing story. What a great life. Followed the Lord. Committed himself to following God as a young man growing up. And he served the Lord as faithfully as he knew how to do in those days. And we want to learn from him a lot of things. We have time to rest when we're dead, right? That's when he entered his rest. We have a lot to do. We want to take advantage of our opportunities. We don't want to be the lazy servant. We want to be the diligent servant. We want to keep our hand on the plow. We want to keep planting seed. We want to keep moving forward. We want to make a good story. Do not? We want to make some legend. Why not? And so we want to continue to meet together to motivate each other, love and good works. (coughs) What do you say? We want to continue to meet together to pray and worship God because worship is warfare. God works miracles and his mystery when we worship together as a community. Let's get everybody together. Let's pray. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Do we not? And we want to do our part. We want to do our work. Whatever God has set us apart for, whatever God has called us to do, we want to answer the phone. (coughs) God means what he says, says what he means. He says he'll bless you, he will bless you. He says he will protect you, he will protect you. God says he's with you, he'll be with you. If we can face our fears with him, we can do that. No matter how vast and big and how terrible the ocean seems, the waves, Jesus is with us. Let's go forth. Hallelujah. Let us be numbered among those who walk in the paths of the righteous. What do you say? The minority. Okay? It's not everybody. We don't become Christians because it's popular. It's probably the most unpopular thing you could be today. I would be the most unpopular thing you could possibly be. White, European, Protestant. <laughs> What I just got born, it's all my fault, right? right. (laughs) We want to compose a story with our lives that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not messing around anymore. Today's Communion Sunday. We're going to take a moment right now to commit ourselves. Because what's communion? Communion is saying I'm committing myself to walking in the ways of the Lord. So if you're not walking in the ways of the Lord, don't take communion today, all right? If you're not going to commit yourself to walking before the Lord, don't take communion today. It's okay. We understand. not a problem. This is a commitment that says, I'm going to keep the covenant that I made with God whenever you made that covenant. And if there's something you need to do to get out of the way, to make more room for God in your life, let's take a few moments right now to worship the Lord, do some business, and then come and take one of those, and we will... Commit ourselves to our generation. All right? Let's do it.